Hey guys, it's Jack. Uh, thanks for joining us on the second episode of the Jack Mitchell podcast. And hopefully this is the second time you've had a chance to listen. If not, wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can jump back and listen to my interview with Brett Lindstrom. But uh, one thing I do want to mention, just a couple of technical things real quickly. If you're trying to listen to us on Spotify, I'm hopeful by the time uh, that you're listening to this, we are available on Spotify. Just had a couple of feed issues that we've been working through and we expect to be resolved like I said, hopefully by the time that you listen to this, it, it, you can also go to KLIN.com. You can do Apple. Uh, and if there are any other podcast providers, most of them feed through Apple. So hopefully you're able to get it. If there are any places that we are not that you would like us to be, shoot me a message. Uh, best way to probably do that would be on the Jack Mitchell podcast Facebook page. You can just search that or on Twitter at Jack Mitchell LNK. Our guest today is Jazari Qual. And I know we're, we're going with candidates the first two weeks we're not doing political figures or potential political figures every week in fact we'll go probably away from that pretty significantly in the next few weeks but it's it's less about the politics of the matter and more about the people and hopefully you guys heard that with my interview with brett lindstrom jazari qual is is running for the house of representatives in the first district and his name will be on the ballot on the primary on the democratic side but he's got an incredible story he's a university of nebraska student he is uh, a freelance, independent journalist, and I had a chance to meet him two years ago during the, the protests in downtown Lincoln in 2020, summer of 2020, and his, his family um, immigrated here, essentially, and, and we kind of get into that story, why he does what he does, the experience of running for office, and all of that as well. So, without any further ado, here's the show. Welcome to the Jack Mitchell Podcast. Oh my goodness. So excited to finally be doing this again and bringing on guests that I find fascinating, interesting, and instead of like a 10-minute morning radio interview, I get to sit down, I get to have like 45 minutes, an hour with my friends, with people I've gotten to know, with people I don't even know that well, uh, and just find out about them, uh, find out their perspective, discuss things that are going on. And I'm going to tell you what, we're going to, we're going to talk to people throughout this thing that I find fascinating, uh, that I know that I want to know more about. And every time, as you'll get used to this, I'm, when I introduce the guests, I'm going to kind of tell you about my intersection with them to the extent that there is one. And sometimes it's very little, sometimes there's more to it. Uh, but, but today's guest, uh, was someone, um, I, I, uh, first encountered, and I don't even know if he knew it at the time, but I first encountered, in the summer of 2020, um, when pandemic was raging on, and there were protests in the wake of uh, of George Floyd's death, and uh, it, working at KLIN, since we, <laughs> you know, it's an interesting situation. I do a talk show, um, but you know, we have a fairly small newsroom. It's not like the Lincoln Journal Star. It's not like that sort of thing. And I also wanted to know what was going on, and so. Um, I went down on a couple of nights and covered what was going on in downtown Lincoln when that happened. First night was Friday night, um, and that was, maybe you remember, there were March down O Street, ended up at the city-county building uh, with kind of a, a confrontation between protesters and police. Uh, I got to um, enjoy, I believe it was pepper spray that night. I'm not sure what it was. I, I got to enjoy some uh, something like that, but I did see... Um, our next guest there, who was uh, documenting it all via live stream with the, the press jacket on at the time. 
Went two nights later. I didn't go the second night. I went two nights later on the Sunday night because, um, again, I wanted to see what was happening. I wanted to document it. I wanted to do live streams. I wanted to be able to talk about it on the air and not have tell me people tell me what happened. Uh, and one of the leaders that night, starting in front of City Hall, um, who was you know, talking to the crowd, who, who uh, had the mayor come up, and then we eventually uh, matriculated over to the, the uh, Capitol and, and was talking at the, that time as our next guest. Um, and, and I was, um, between him and some of the other leaders at that time, you can go back and look at my tweets. Um, I was profoundly impressed by it. It, and, and, and maybe it was my stereotypes. Maybe it was my lack of understanding to some degree what was happening or where some of the protesters were coming from. But I was profoundly impressed with the leadership with the things that were being said, with the effectiveness um, and kind of, you know, it, 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 just how amazing these young people were that were doing this. It was not what I expected whatsoever. I remember afterwards, and I don't know if he remembers this, but I was sitting right up front taking pictures, taking live videos, trying to trying to kind of listen and see what happened. Walked up on the state capitol steps, and I introduced myself to him, and I said, look, um, I'm a news talk I'm a news talk radio guy. I'm an old guy. Um, I was really impressed by what you said, what you did, and what the people around you said and did tonight. I would love to connect with you again sometime. And it didn't particularly, it, it, it just didn't really happen because, again, not, sometimes there's not a format for this. And now uh, <laughs> this person is, uh, is running for Congress. And I was like, man, what a great, what a great guest, what a great conversation, what a great perspective to have than to bring him on. Uh, the beginning stages of the new Jack Mitchell podcast. So, uh, welcome in to congressional candidate, to Lincolnite, um, to journalist, Jazari Qual Zakaria. Jazari, man, uh, you remember that night? <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I know, I guarantee, I, I know you remember that night. Do you remember, do you even remember me? It's totally fine if you don't. You remember me coming up to you that night? I, I bet you don't. I never forget anybody. That's the thing. It was, man, there's no, I, it was, because it was right after, you remember the state, you guys were kind of like negotiating and talking to the state patrol at the time on the steps of the Capitol. Oh, remember yeah, that? That was, um, yeah, TT and somebody else were up there. I was behind the chain because I was live streaming, you know, live right. recording on it. But you yeah, were talking, remember- you, you were like, kind of, you sort of had a dual role. I mean, like you were talking you were you were recording it. You were live streaming, but I, I associated you with that leadership, and you talked that night too on the mic. I remember. I, I gave my story at the end, but I wasn't ever a part of like the organization of the the protester demonstrations or things like that. Like they had their own separate like meetings that I wasn't a part of. Really, that's interesting because I totally didn't. I mean, I don't. I'm not trying to be critical any or even anything like that. But I didn't. I know you got up and talked at some point, and I think that was what like grabbed me about the whole thing in your story yeah i i felt like i needed to get up there and speak just because i had my own story that i wanted to share um but the entire time i was kind of just focused on live reporting uh and streaming the event but yeah no i remember that night um i remember all the emotions i remember some i'm just getting chills just thinking about it it was it was something that's just unforgettable just the energy and the atmosphere and the just the dynamic of everything. It's it's just one of those moments that you will talk about for the rest of your life, you know, 10 years, 15 years down the road. 
I, I like going by the Capitol. It doesn't feel the same anymore. You think of that night? Uh, well, I just mean, I just think of like all the times that I've gone to the Capitol uh, to report on events since then, starting yeah. then prior to everything happening in, you know, the summer of 2020, I've, I've gone to the Capitol here and there, like for different things sometimes, but it just never, it, it just like, I can't look at the Capitol building the same way again after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I just remember my, my, my takeaway from that. I didn't know what I was going to see. Like I was there Friday night. Friday mm-hmm. night was crazy, Jazar. And, and I don't, and I know you were documenting it too. You were there. You were standing in some of the same areas that yeah. I was. But Friday night went from this march where, you know, kind of through everything. And then like everybody right in front of City Hall, I could see people on top of City Hall, like law enforcement on top. Oh, of, yeah. And then Hall. Like, what, are these snipers? Like what, yeah. what is this exactly? And then. It got, you know, they were throwing a water bottle, they were throw, throwing fireworks, some of the, some mm-hmm. of the people were, and then all of a sudden they dispersed us with, like, a, whatever it was, pepper tear spray, gas, tear gas, or, or whatever yeah. it is. And then th- I got out of there. Things got totally crazy after the, after that. And then, like, mm-hmm. Sunday night was so different. Um, yeah. And I wasn't there Saturday night, but Sunday night, my takeaway was, you know, Dominique Lusang, some of the other, some of the other leaders that were a part of it, and I don't know all their names, I wish I did. But you know what my takeaway was after that night mm. was that mm. was I hope these young people, for me as somebody who's grown up in Lincoln, who lives in Lincoln, you know what my big big worry was? Maybe there's nothing to be worried about given everything that's going on. My worry is like I hope these people these these kids kids stay in Lincoln. Like I'm afraid they're gonna go somewhere else, and yeah. they need to be in Lincoln. That was among the things. That I remember taking away from that whole thing, um, but uh, yeah, it's it, it seems like a lifetime ago, honestly. Really? Yeah, right. <laughs> like less so than two years ago. Like pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Less than yeah, so much ago. has happened. Okay, so let, we'll get, we can get back into that. I want to get into a bunch of stuff with you, but I want, to, I want people to know your story. I know a little bit from my own prep about it for my own prep from what you said mm-hmm. that night um and, and, and i'll give a, a, a quick summary for the listeners and you can extrapolate on it or correct me as needed uh but my understanding is your your parents immigrated to the united states from south sudan well it wouldn't yeah. have been south sudan then i believe it would have just been sudan but from south mm-hmm. sudan then uh i believe to st louis first and then you essentially were you born in st louis yeah, so here's the thing. And 
the story of how my mom got here because my mom came before my dad did. Okay. And um, so I'm the only child between the only shared child between my parents. So my siblings are my half siblings, but we just call each other brother and sister. Mm -hmm. Like it's never been, you know, anything like that. So my mom and dad, they were never actually like married. So when you're coming as a refugee, that also throws things off. I mean, there's a bunch of logistical things. So he wasn't able to come until several months, a few months later, but my mom came here um, with my siblings in 95, 1995. And so, gosh, I haven't actually talked about this before. So I've told people like, when you come as a refugee immigrant, you don't get to choose where you go. So I think my oldest sister, she was like 14 at the time. She said they were talking about putting them in New York and then they were actually supposed to go to Texas. So we, I was actually supposed to be born in Texas initially. All right. All right. Oh, by but the way, the so last... you had siblings. So you have older siblings mm-hmm. that were alive when, when the immigration happened then. Correct. Just yeah. I'm the youngest. Okay. I'm the youngest. I'm, um, I'm the youngest of six on my mom's side and the youngest of five on my dad's side. Okay. So, so mom comes over. You don't, but you don't know where you're going. And this is, by the way, I assume in, in correct. I mean, I know a little bit about this, not a lot, but like, there's yeah. civil war going in, in, in on in Sudan, yeah. and and I assume that's the reason. The reason yeah, so that they, they were fled, refugees. They fled from they fled from Sudan to Egypt, and then that's where my brother was born. Um, and then my mom met my dad, and they were there for a little bit um, in Egypt, and then my mom was able to come over. Um, I think she got help from a U.S. ambassador, and that's how they were able to get here. Um, and it was like by chance. It wasn't like something that they were actively, they were active. Everybody was actively trying to get out because things were crazy, right? Yeah. But like, it was just by chance that my mom ran into uh, this U.S. ambassador. And so he helped her get here, her and my siblings. So they get to St. Louis, right? Yeah. So I, I guess something, somebody messed something up and they ended up like, okay, you guys have, you guys are actually going to St. Louis, Missouri. And that's where I was born. Um, Mind you, like my mom doesn't speak English, very, very limited English, if any, um, in a city that they don't know anyone or things like that. But there were some government agencies that helped them kind of get settled. But I mean, just imagine how scary that situation is. You're coming from a country, like almost a third world country, and then you're, or pretty much, and then you're going to a place where you don't know the language or anybody there and you're giving birth to a child in this foreign place. Like it's a very, it's a very like scary thing. So this is 95 and, and she's got how many kids with her at that time and like ranges of how old? Um, Oh gosh, me and my older brother are 18 months apart. So he was born in 93. Okay. So at least one toddler. (laughs) And then, uh, (laughs) Um, I have a sister who was born in 81 okay. and then our other brother who was born in like 82, I believe, or 83. Okay. And then another sister born in, uh, 80, 89, 88 and 86. So you're talking like kids from two to 12 yeah, like years these old, are kids. kids from two to 12 yes. years old and mom who doesn't speak yeah. English coming from right. what was then war torn Sudan and mm-hmm. ends up in. Like, what do you do? Like, what, like, what does she do? I wouldn't, I mean, 
what do you even, how do you even begin? I, I, I don't know. She's a very, very strong woman. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. So, but, but the good thing is, is that we had family here in the U.S. already, people that she knew. And they lived in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. A lot of them did. So Sioux Falls, South Dakota, people didn't know there was a huge like Sudanese and there still is a huge Sudanese mm-hmm. and South Sudanese population in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So we moved up there to be closer to people we knew because, you know, anybody in St. Louis. Um, we're there for a couple of years. Then we moved to Omaha, stayed in Omaha for a couple of years. And then by the time we moved to Lincoln, it was like two, we moved into Lincoln, um, I think May of 2000. Okay. So it was a couple months before I turned five. So mm-hmm. I've, I've been in Lincoln since I was four years old. So like everything you remember is in Lincoln, pretty much? Yeah. I remember Omaha and I remember Sioux Falls. Do you? I have a really good memory. My dad had an amazing memory. I've been in, <laughs> by the way, I've been in Sioux Falls a lot. I had my second date with my wife in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Really? At the, at the TGI. Fr- but when you guys were there, by the way, I mean, you were a toddler, but at the TGI mm-hmm. Fridays next to the Empire Mall. And then we went yeah, and saw the movie uh, Simon Birch. And I was born I was born in Mitchell, South Dakota. Uh that's my fake really? last name. Yeah. Oh, um I'll sway. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm I'm very familiar very familiar oh, with that. Man. Yeah. So so Sioux Falls to Omaha to Lincoln. To Lincoln, yeah. Earliest memory what earliest memories of your family what was going on in in Lincoln? I remember the day that we moved to Lincoln, me and my brother uh, went to the park that was a block away, Norwood Park. Um, and we were playing tag. And I remember w- we were running down, up and down the playground. And I actually um, ran into a bar <laughs> and literally had to, I don't remember if I went to the hospital. She took me to the hospital. But first day, like we, were, we moved there. Uh, my mom and stepdad had left to go do some stuff. Then uh, me and my, my brother takes me home like, oh, my gosh, like something happened. So my sisters are like trying to like stop the bleeding with like hydrogen peroxide. And then, and then like my mom and stepdad came back. I remember opening the window and like, you know, like reaching out the window and I popped the screen out. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you already break. <laughs> you already got hurt. You already broke the screen. <laughs> like all in one day. was me. Oh, my goodness. Um, that's I, that was the, I think that was the day that we moved, moved uh. to, to Lincoln. Um but yeah, we met like, like the neighbors and stuff. And so there used to be a lot of kids in our neighborhood. Like, so, like, are oh there other, gosh, are, are there other, are we talking like other refugee kids or, or, or Lincoln kids or like, what was that like? Well, just different Lincoln kids. Yeah. Um, I mean, the people right across the street that my brother became really good friends with and I, I became friends with, they were white and then two doors down, um, or, uh, right next door there was um an african-american family that i became really really good friends with their son like we were close in age and then the door after that there was a hispanic family so there was people from like all different backgrounds in our neighborhood so it was fun okay man this is okay all right so you're gonna have to like i i I was i was prepping for the interview and i remember you told a story when you were at the capitol and i i think it must have been um, it, it must have been your stepfather, but you talked, was it losing your stepfather prior to yeah. that in 2020 that you had talked yeah, about? So that was in what, 2000, um, my step, my stepdad, uh, was, uh, killed in Omaha. 
um, two days before Thanksgiving in 2006, or the day before Thanksgiving. Um, he was tased multiple times by OPD and had a heart attack. Oh my gosh! What what what's the what's the background story? What was happening? Um, I don't like we don't really know. See, and that's a thing. Like, media isn't like how it is today. You know what I mean? Like, cell phones aren't how they are today. You know, like now there's a video everything. recording of everything. Everything. Yeah. 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 Um. But I remember, because I stayed home from school that day, um, and I remember I was like, I wasn't feeling too good, but I wanted to take like a hot shower. Um, And so I remember going into the bathroom, and I remember like my mom picking up the phone and talking. And then like the next thing I hear is just like screams. And so that was when one of my stepdad's family members had called to let my mom know that he had died the night before. And I remember, um, oh gosh, I just remember, I I remember going out and asking my mom, like, what was, ha- what happened? Because at this point, I didn't know. I just knew that she was screaming. Yeah. And, and how old I, were you at like, this time, Jazari? How old were you? So was, I was in sixth grade. So I was probably 11. Yeah. Yeah. And I, she was just screaming and hyperventilating. And I was like trying to figure out like what happened. And she was just saying, she was like, Brian's dead. And so then I like immediately lost. And then my mom was like calling my sister. Um, oh gosh. I think one of my sisters had just gone to college in Minnesota, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, and then our oldest sister lived in Sioux Falls still. So she got married and stayed there with her family. Okay. Um, and my brother was at color middle school. Um, and my other sister was at Northeast high school. And so I remember, um, we were sitting there and I just vividly, I don't remember my other siblings coming home, but I vividly remember my older sister, Diana coming home from Northeast. And I remember her just like busting through the door and she was like, mom, like what happened? Like what happened? She was like running up the stairs and she was just very hysterical. And I just, that, that was one of those moments. Like, like I, I, I'll never forget like how her voice sounded or like how she looked coming in. Um, I was actually the one who called my oldest sister in Sioux Falls to let her know. So you were 11 and you had to tell your sister. My oldest sister in Sioux Falls. Yeah. Yeah, I called her. Now that I remember, yeah, I called her, and that very same night, her and my brother-in-law were. They came from Sioux Falls, which mm-hmm. is like four hours away. Yeah. Um, my sister, she was telling us. My sister from at, when she was in North at Northeast, I think she was a junior or senior at that time. Yeah, she was a junior or senior. She was an upperclassman. Um. But she was telling us a story, like, because when my mom called her, she said she had a cell phone. It was like a flip phone because at that time it was like 2006. Yeah. And she was saying that um, she was just walking to her next class and she never like answers her phone. Um, but then again, like my mom never called her during the day. And so I remember she was saying that she just like dropped her stuff and just like grabbed her keys and was just like running like out, like running through the halls and like running out the door. And she was stopped by like uh, a resource officer that was there. 
um, and was like, Deanna, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And she's like, my, my dad's dead. I have to, I have to go home. I have to go home. And so the officer actually brought her home because the officer was like, you're, you're not okay to drive. So the officer gave her a ride home. And so, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that day. I, I'm sorry to put you through it again. I, uh, but I, I bring it up, Jazari, because now I remember that Sunday night in front of the Capitol more about it um because you you talked yeah. about that because uh, it was germane um obviously to the things that were in the news at that time um my dad passed in a completely different way but unexpected uh in mm-hmm. in in 2015 and i don't know what it was but like w- when you were talking about that that uh, th- that along with everything else it was an emotional night you know that hit me yeah. like with everything else and um and so that that discussion combined with everything that was going on politically that was, everything was going on in Lincoln at the time like that had a mark on me and is is you know part of the reason I I I talked to you then briefly and and uh wanted to connect with you and then when I saw your you know what you're doing and we're going to get into some of that stuff what you're doing with journalism and and we were on a, a panel together and those sorts of things. Um, man, it, it, it's weird to tell someone you barely know that they are part of a memory <laughs> that will probably last them a lifetime. But that story that I know now, the background of that I didn't know then, um, is, um, is why I'm talking to you today. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah, and I remember my, my sister, Rania, that's my, our oldest sister. I remember talking to her because I saw the video of George Floyd. Um, and that same night I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. And so the next day I was talking to Rania and I was just like, you know, I was up until like three in the morning. She was like, you should have called me. I was up too. And she was like, I saw that video and I, she's like, I couldn't sleep. And she was like, it reminded me of what happened to Brian, our our stepfather. And Mm -hmm. so that's when I'm just like, that's when it kind of like more dawned on me a lot more um and so that's when i that's why i decided to go out and start like recording like filming and stuff like that just because there wasn't any film or record of you know my stepdad that night that's interesting like yeah that's an interesting response to me because like there's part of me that thinks my response would be to be getting out there and being the one who is front and center doing the doing the protesting being the your your instinct was to go like record it right not necessarily be front and center although you kind of you you were a little bit later on why was that your first instinct rather than an instinct to to be out there and and be front and center um at first i was so I think I did participate in like the actual protest before I started like streaming it. So one of the nights I was there and that was the night that you had talked about before when like things got really crazy, like outside of um, Friday night. Yeah. City hall. Yeah. Yeah. So I wasn't live streaming that night. I just had my camera out there and I was recording. Okay. I saw that. So I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So we marched all the way up, um, up O street to 48th and then all the way back. So like I was actually I was participating in that protest, like okay. leading chants and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but then I kind of, then I switched to just recording, um, um, live streaming just because I, the thing is, is that like, I, that's just what I was, I'm good at. So I'm not, (laughs) I'm not there. Like some of the, the other uh, activists that were out there are very good at like hyping up crowds, like all of that, like, you know, leading chants and, you know, leading marches and protests and stuff. Like I'm, I'm not, (laughs) (laughs) um, so I helped how I could, and that was, you know, bringing it to a broader audience to help them. They were also, I was also, you know, helping them fundraise in ways to like help continue their efforts and stuff like that. Like, too. so like in a weird way, I was in a similar position, similar, but very different position because like I wanted to be, I wanted to be out there and see it and understand it. I mean, I had a lot of feelings going on. I had competing feelings going on. I mean, I had a reaction I think a a lot of people did that was frustration and anger and furious after uh, seeing that video of of George Floyd. Um, But I also, like, I also, like, I picked up with you guys at 48th Street coming back to downtown. Or, or like, our studios at 44th and O. I left with you. First thing I saw was a dude just, like, open up the um the fire hydrant right by our office yeah, i still have that footage and, 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 <laughs> like he was right by me i'm like what are you doing like i it like that like, all these things going on in my head but that pissed me off right there at the time um and so i'm there but i'm also sort of like documenting i'm live streaming it i'm i'm sort of taking it all in but i also have like thoughts and opinions about what's going on so it, it, it was mm. kind of odd in that way let me ask you this did are things any better after like were things accomplished in those nights whether it be locally or nationally do you think um i think so i i also want to touch on this so like after i started like live streaming and reporting on it i did not expect for it to go how it did and so it kind of put me in a position where it's like i had i continued live streaming and it just kept attracting more and more and more people. And so it was kind of that, it kind of, it was like a double-edged sword because it's like, I still wanted to participate and go out there, but like now I'm a part of the media. I can't. So it's like, that that was a thing. And people would send me messages every day, like tons and tons, but like, are you going to be out reporting today? Are you going to be out today? Are you going to be out today? And so like, I, I couldn't no longer go out there and like, just participate i had to go out and report for everybody else who couldn't be there so. like was that was that, that, that give you like some tension like i don't know what like, i i have an expectation to do this but there's also a part of me that doesn't necessarily want to wear the journalist hat during this yeah i mean yeah sometimes yeah i it, it just depends i mean for for instance, like I became very, very close with a lot of the people that were out there. So a lot of us didn't like know each other. Even like some of the people that were like leading the protests, like they didn't know each other. Really? That shocks yeah. me. Uh, that totally shocked a me. A couple of them might have like knew of each other or maybe like went to school at one point or whatever, but they weren't like in constant communication with each other. Like a lot of us met throughout the protest. Even the people who were leading them. And so, <laughs> See, I don't think a lot of people knew that. The idea, I would have, I'm shocked that you're telling me that, Jazari. 
just because it seemed like, and I'm telling people right now, if they're listening to this, by the way, I was there. So I can tell you, I can tell you what happened Sunday night. And there was a bunch of young people leading a crowd and they were leading a crowd and making 100% sure on Sunday night that that crowd was focused on the message, was focused on the purpose, and not doing a dang thing that would hurt that message and that purpose more yeah, than anything. There were hundreds of people. It out was there. huge. That's the thing. And and the, the the people who were the leaders had such the leadership was amazing. So to hear you tell me that some of this was, uh, you know, kind of maybe put together and that they didn't know each other, it seemed like planned out. It see the 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 ability to have that kind of um uh connection with the crowd like somebody is acting up somebody's going to do something stupid somebody is going to start going back to what happened friday night like they yeah. got called out remember yeah. that on on sunday night mm-hmm. yeah and, and that's the thing too it's just like it, it just goes to show like in moments where things are very important people come together from all different avenues to take to, to get a message and a purpose out there but yeah yeah and it's especially hard. Okay. So where I was going with that is like, so I, I become very close to a lot of these people. And so like following up maybe like a month down the road, like, you know, if there was a, like a protest or something like that, and they were much rougher, like in Omaha, um, not, uh, not like the protesters themselves, but like the p- police response. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to like, like, these are my friends at this point and like seeing them go through things like part of me just kind of was like shut off the stream and helps them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it's that weird thing in like journalism, for instance, like the only thing I can associate it with for people to understand presently, it's like, imagine like the, the war in Ukraine, right? So if there are these journalists that are out there front and center and you see somebody that needs help, like often, like you can't intervene. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it puts you in a really hard spot, especially like if those are your friends, you know, like, right. right. I can't tell you how many times I've seen my friends get arrested on like live streams. It's wild. Like, what do you do? I mean, there could, because there's like a question in your mind, like, what am I going to do more good? How am I going to do more good interv- intervening or doing something in the moment or making sure that it's recorded? You mentioned, yeah. That's the thing. It's crazy. That's interesting. I never thought about that, you know, just in, in some weird ways, I can totally relate to that, especially, especially about those nights. Um, yeah. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Like for you, 
like for you, what was it? You know, to the degree that you were protesting, like what was it? What was it about? What did you want to see happen? What did you hope would be a result of that? And I know it's kind of the same question I asked you, but like, how much of that has happened, or how far are we toward that? So the thing is, is that I. I wanted a lot of people to to see what's going on and like the protests that's happening and especially like the pain that a lot of people were feeling because it's like we personally didn't know George Floyd, but a lot of us know what that pain feels like to lose a family member like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people in the black community do. And so I, I, I guess it was just to raise awareness as much as possible and also just to because here's the thing, like when you talk about like these things that happen and it's not like this is a brand new thing. People are like, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that this was a thing. It's always been a thing, but it's just now being filmed and put out there for people to see. And so now we see like the things that are really going on in X, Y, Z. But yeah. I wanted to raise more awareness about it and also to just have just that systemic racism change. Um, And there's a lot of that in Lincoln. But um and Nebraska, but I wanted just to see a lot of that change. And has it? Um, I don't think so. I think we raised a lot of awareness about this stuff, but I, I think for a lot of people, it's kind of just like, oh, this will blow over. But no. Yeah. I got a lot. To, I mean, I have a lot to learn. I know that. I mean, I'm um, grew up a, a pastor's kid in East Lincoln, went to Lincoln East High School. Um, you know, I haven't, I think my question for you is what I like, what I want to know is what don't I know? And you don't know for sure, but what don't I know about what it's like to be, to be black in, in Lincoln, Nebraska? Um, I will say this. I mean, like for instance, me being out there campaigning, right? So We'll go downtown. I'll like introduce myself and talk to people. And then sometimes like people will like look at me scared and be like, I, I don't want to talk to you. Whether it's they think that I'm going to hurt them or what the case is going to be. But it's just like, you, I will say like, and also people ask me sometimes like, Oh, like, where are you from? And I'll be like, Oh, here. Lincoln. Like, well, where are you really from? You know, like it, it almost makes you seem like you don't belong. You're not a part of the community that you're an outsider. So it's just like, well, where are you from? Well, this is th- this place is what I where I grew up. This is what I know. Be like, well, where's your family from? Like, where are you really from? Right. Uh, which that uh, happens all the time. Nobody does that. I mean, nobody does it that way. Right. Nobody. I don't tell everybody my ancestors are from the Netherlands. Right. It just you know it just doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. And also like. I think people don't expect me to speak the English that I do just because, you know, I'm African. And so like, I, it's just the most odd thing. Like when you're talking to somebody in perfect English and they feel they still have to like dumb it down for you to understand like what they're saying. That happens all the time. Yeah. Like here in Lincoln all the time. Really? Interesting. Yeah. It's but crazy. like at the same time, I, uh, and, and like I sort of get, like I see this is why I'm having this conversation. Like I can see how I would well-meaning do, do things the same way though. Or like just the little, like little things 
you know, you see any, it's like you see anyone, you experience anyone, and it doesn't always have to be about race, but like you make snap sort of uh, thoughts about who they are. And it's and, yeah. and it's based on how they look, right? Like that's what that's why race uh, is is such an issue because that's such a such a huge thing. Um, yeah, that's it. Like I don't know, but I absolutely can't say I know what it feels like to to be in any situation here or or anywhere else uh, in, in in Lincoln and um, be the, the only person. Uh, the only person who's a different race. Like I don't like. What is? The, is it hard? Does it get easier? Is it? Is it? Is it different? Are you thinking about it constantly? Like I want to understand that. I. Here's another story. So, my cousin uh, recently, they recently renovated like a fixer upper, like their house, and my brother does like construction work here and there dabbles in a little bit of everything. So he was like helping them with um, their drywall. And so they wrote him a check. Um, He takes the check. My brother from my cousin takes the check to the bank that it was written at. Um, They go through the drive through. He's like, Hey, I'm here to like cash this check. And they're like, Oh, okay. Okay. Um, And so 15, 20 minutes goes by and they're just like, Oh, Oh, we're just checking some things. We're just checking some things. The bank, teller manager whoever called my cousin's wife and was like hey we just want to make sure that you actually wrote this check for this amount um because this guy here is saying that you wrote the check to him and we just want to make sure this amount like do you remember writing that and she was like yeah mind you she's white she was like yeah and so what here's another thing they hired like another handyman and they had written him checks for a lot more than what they wrote a check for my brother for and never got a call or question about him. Hmm. And that was like, that was in 2020 in the beginning of 2020. So when people say like these things don't happen and oh, that type of stuff doesn't happen here. I don't know if that person just subconsciously didn't, I, I don't know what the case was, but clearly, I mean, it shows that that happens. And so, yeah. Like how do you, like this is me admit. I mean, uh, uh, there are probably situations where, in, 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 and again, I don't think it's like a malevolent bad way, but you you do something, and hope, hopefully not as bad as that. But like, how do you move on? I think having conversations like this is is like the beginning mm-hmm. of it. But- and here's the thing: so when we talk about stuff like this, like not to this is this is what happens happens to us this is our experiences here and so i'm sure you've seen like that hot button issue that people push and stuff like that like i don't want to like say it by name but like the three letter word acronym uh oh yeah 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 yes yeah which by the yeah. way well i mean <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say it just because i think what you were talking about because i've read about it because i want to understand about, about crt right So what it pretty much is, is just diving in to see how things have happened throughout history to disenfranchise people of color systemically. So that's within like legislation and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what that is. And so like some people associate it with like 
other ideologies of like gender and orientation and stuff like that, that's not what it is. It's just literally talking about black history and things that have been put in place to disenfranchise black people. So like that's literally it. I've because I want to understand it and frankly I don't think any of the politicians who talk about it have read any of it, to be honest. Um yeah. you accept no, you not. accepted, but like here's I mean I actually did number one, it is some dense reading. Man, I went to I went to college, I went to law school. This is like four hundred level dense you did? readings. Yeah, I went to law school. Yeah. I'm a I was a lawyer before I became a radio host. <laughs> What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I went to law school, but like, but, but like some of the tenets of it, I don't even like, okay, here's the thing. I think if you put forward some of the tenets of CRT to people who claim to hate it and didn't tell them it was CRT, they'd be like, yeah, I agree. Like, like for instance, you obviously know some of it in, in the reading about it and, and, and kind of when it was big and it was, it, a lot of it started in the seventies and nobody talked about it for decades, but. But like mm-hmm. the idea is basically that that people are not necessarily it, it, when you're trying to talk about racism, institutional racism, it's not necessarily that people are it, it, it sort of lets people off the hook individually and not saying, hey, you know, you're a bad person because of this. It's something you can't control because it's a necessity in the world essentially it's it's yeah it's part of this human condition right like it sort of lets people off the hook and it essentially says race is a human created it, it it's a human created societal class that isn't genetic isn't any of these other things essentially mm-hmm. and like i could see i bet there is a way that i could present some of the tenets of it to somebody who claims to hate it and they're like yep i agree with that yep i agree with that Yep, I agree with that. And I was telling somebody this like a week and a half ago. It's not necessarily like when we talk about these types of things, like nobody. So clearly when all of this stuff was like going down and these laws were put in place, like we weren't here, right? Like, so, you know, you weren't there. I wasn't there. Like I can't, we can't. I'm not like holding you or the, a person who's white, like accountable for it. Right. So the thing is that we're trying to get out there is this is what happened. This is how it's still affecting us. How can we change this to make it better? And so that we don't fall back and let this happen again. Like there's, n- th- there's very little to nothing in it about like personal guilt. Like you are a bad person. It's essentially you've been born into this thing that is reality about society and we need to figure out how to deal with that reality mm-hmm. essentially like it's not telling and then when people go ahead when people come out and talk in opposition of like CRT and things like that they they are letting the door stay open for all this type of stuff to happen again mm. well and and by the way i don't know even that i you know buy into a, a hundred percent frankly i don't understand it, like I said, it's such such dense stuff, but I but I also think it's it's ridiculous to treat it like the the boogeyman. And by the way, second graders aren't learning five hundred level sociology uh, poli sci stuff either. It's yeah. just it's not. And and talking about the existence of of race that's a different that's a different thing. That's a different question. And maybe that's the conversation that people want to have. But I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to. I did wonder what you thought about that. Hey, let me yeah, ask you. So, let me, I mean, I just 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish that thought. No, I was just going to say, I don't, I don't, I've never, how do I, how do I word this? Like, I guess I've just never, ever, (laughs) my my brain is like short circuiting. (laughs) No, I get it. That yeah, the thing is like it's not like a whole self thing like holding people accountable. It's more so holding the system accountable and trying to change it to be better for everyone. I've never looked at it and thought of like you are a bad person because right. you're a different skin color. It, 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 uh, again, if you read it, it lets people off the hook for being bad people. Like sometimes I almost think it's too lenient to some degree, which is crazy to even say. And like that's say, it's really scary watching the gubernatorial like race you know with the people who are up there running or the likely candidates or the likely um the people who are likely to win it's like and we'll talk about this uh, like when we talk more about my campaign but it's just like we need to get to that (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah why 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 in the the hell would you run for congress (laughs) i mean wow that is uh tell me about you mean tell me about that listen no no uh, just because I don't want to run for anything, man. I I can't imagine <laughs> c- campaigning sounds hard. It sounds like just it, it, it's a it's an uphill battle in the state of Nebraska. Uh, I mean, b- uh, being someone who's not a Republican, like tell me about the journey to actually decide to do this. When did it happen? Yes. Why did it happen? So I remember thinking of doing this back in. Um, late summer of 2020 that's when i decided when when i thought of the idea of potentially running for congress because i had just turned 25 and la da do da day um <laughs> that uh <laughs> um then i kind of just you know just like kind of shelved the thought like i'm just like you know what like i should just focus on what i'm doing and la da do da day <laughs> and so um but then i in addition to doing like a lot of like live streaming and reporting, a lot of people reach out to me for help with things, um, such as um, hunger relief. If somebody needs a place to stay, things like that. And I help like connect them or oftentimes or sometimes like I'll help people like out of my own pocket. Yeah. Um, well, by the way, I like I've seen you on, on Twitter and social media like we need something this thing right here. If anybody's got this right now and can help. Yeah, I do a lot we'll of that. Make like I share, I share like a lot of fundraisers. I share um, a lot of um, a lot of fundraisers, a lot of like mutual aid assistance. Like for instance, um, there are a bunch of lawyers that like volunteer to help an eviction court. Every time I see that they need help, like I share that type of stuff. So I like actively use my platforms to as, as a as a space and a place to get information out and, and for people to get like help that they need, however they need it. Um, uh, we launched like the Freges and all of that stuff, which by and the way, for people we, who don't know, the, those are, uh, so the Freges thing, and, and I know a little bit about it, but like, these are like mini fridges that are like, how does it work exactly? Okay. So I was in leadership Lincoln uh, last year for the 14th advocates cohort. And so we have to come up with like a project that helps the community and could potentially be sustainable through a nonprofit or, you know, community efforts and so there were there are the little free pantries around town that have like dry goods and things like that but we wanted to 
make other foods accessible to people, right? So like meat, eggs, um, cheese, milk, things like that. And so we started placing these mini refrigerators around town that are inside of custom built enclosures to protect it from outside elements. And people take what they need and people drop off what they can. And so they've been completely self-sustaining right now. Really? So it's like the equivalent mm-hmm. of those little libraries that you uh, yeah. sort of that you see where drop something off, take something. If you, if you, uh, how many of them are there? There were three. There are two mm-hmm. now. We're mm-hmm. getting ready to launch another one. Um, and we try to, the other thing too, it's like we try to, um, oh no, there are three right now. There's going to okay. be four. Good. And so each one is different. In terms of like, there's one at the Malone Center. It's a little bit of a taller, upright one. Um, and the enclosure on the side of it has a space to put like dry goods and dry foods and things. And like the kids at the Malone Center painted it with like their handprints. There's one off of 33rd and Hitchhawk um, that was painted by a local artist. And then there's another one here in College View that was also painted by a local artist. So we collaborate with like different local artists or organizations to like create this custom enclosure for these refrigerators. Cool. And so the next one that's going to launch, um, I kind of talked to the, the guys at Precision Skateboarding because I got a new skateboard the other day to help get around and canvas with. Um, and so the goal is to have an enclosure that is built out of recycled um, skateboards, like have them like sanded down really nicely and stuff like that. Um and have a, maybe a line on the side kind of up on top to make it like kind of like a little roof or something like that, something cool. And then have them like their guys, there painted or things like that. So it's like the and economy so, of that been good. Like people using it, people <laughs> refilling it, that sort of thing. Is it the equilibrium kind of worked like you hoped it would? Yeah. They're always, they're always, it, it's constantly filtering out. Like people are always using it. I mean, I cleaned, I go through and like disinfect them. And so the, a few days ago, I went and cleaned and disinfected one. And like, as soon as I was done, um, I was kind of down the street because we were also canvassing. And I don't know if you saw our campaign video, did you? No, I haven't. I need to watch it. Really? We need to like pause this interview. You need to watch it and come back. <laughs> I'm dead serious. All right, I like, can I'm not even that. kidding. Hold on. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. All right. So I've, <laughs> I've, I've seen the video now. By the way, it's, a, it's as far as I remember, the first congressional candidate uh, commercial that features uh, that candidate skateboarding. I don't remember that. Uh, I don't remember Fort Mary doing that in any of his uh, 37 congressional races. So 
you're first there. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but you, yeah, the fridge is on. Why? Why did? Uh, what? That's awesome. Uh, you you were referencing something something in it though. Mm-hmm. But uh, like, um, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Gosh, I lost my train of you're thought. Like, you're like, what, we were talking about the fridges, the fridges. Oh yeah. So when we were, we were Candace, we were going through that neighborhood. Um, after we did the fridges, because I was we were campaigning, like in between, like doing regular things that I normally do. Um, and so after I had kind of skated down that road, like I think two or three people had already gone to that refrigerator. And like took some stuff. So there's like a constant, there's a really big need for it. And I feel bad because we are rolling them out as best as we can and making sure each one is self-sustaining. But people always mess- message us and be like, there should be one here. There should be one there. There should be one here. One should be there. And I'm just like, we get it. We understand. We want there to be, we want it to be accessible in every single neighborhood everywhere. But you got, you got to, there's yeah. a lot of work that goes with that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So- have so. you, uh, like, okay, like, you're running for Congress. Like, somebody's going to come up to you and ask you, uh, hey, what do you think the plan for the strategic oil reserve should be or something? Like, uh, uh, how much did you do you have to, uh, you, you know, uh, how many of those, like, sort of the issue things, the things you need to talk about, the things you need to campa- campaign on, do you have mm-hmm. to learn about or familiarize yourself? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're just never going to familiarize yourself with every single issue and everything that's going on. So what I try to do is just stick to the things that I'm campaigning on and learning more about those issues and more in depth about them. Because I mean, like somebody could ask me a question like what you said, and it's kind of just like that, like that's not my message and what I'm like advocating for right now. Um, I will look into it, but I mean, like, People ask all kinds of questions um, and, and they're good questions and they have to ask them because I mean, if you're going to represent them, you should know these things. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes like if I don't know about something, I'll go and like kind of look in, I'll go and look into it and research it a little bit more. But yeah. So like, you don't need me to tell you this. Yeah. You don't, you don't need me to tell you this, but like you've got an uphill battle in Nebraska in this district uh, as a Democrat, that's, you know, uh, had a Republican this seat for year after year after year. You've got, you know, something of an uh, uh, of an uphill battle in your primary with with a name that's been established in in Lincoln. Um, you know, uh-huh. you're younger. Uh, all, all of those things that factor in, like you know, you've got all of those things when you make this decision. How do those things though not stop you from making that decision when y- you know, hey? This would be, uh, I mean, this is like, I don't mean to say this would be offensive, but it's like kind of a Hail Mary, like trying to try, try, try to actually pull something like this off. Yeah. So when people are just like, oh, have you held office before, um, XYZ? Like, I haven't had like an elected leadership role before, but I do have a leadership role in the community. And so people know that and recognize that. And the lived experience I have is something that just can't be taught. Like, you can't just go experience something thing that you didn't grow up and and live through. And so everything that I'm campaigning on has had a personal effect on me versus the other people in these races. I mean, they campaign on things that don't really affect them in any way. It's more so just talking points Mm. to see what sounds good and resonates with people. But I mean, that that's just the thing. Like I, 
you see people who there's a lot of young people that I talk to who say that they get tired of voting because people get in there and they just don't do anything. They don't improve their conditions in any type of way. And so I feel like I'm in much more, I'm much more in tune in touch with the things that's going on because like I live the same everyday struggles as what I'm trying to change, you know? Mm -hmm. So that that's the thing. And I think that a lot of people are ready to see some kind of change. And when people are like, Oh, well you should run for a lower office and things like that to get more experience. But like my response to that is like, okay, well the people who are in Congress and the federal government have been there for the last 25, 30 years and everything has been falling apart on their watch. So these are the people who are experienced and have the experience and all these types of things. And we're still not getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so like the House of Representatives was created so that you can send somebody from your community to bring your issues to the federal government and address those issues and see how you can fix it. And then it's supposed to, you know, change and evolve with that. Like you're not, I don't think they intended for people to be there for 25, 30 years, 20 years, however long, and just and become millionaires off of a public servant job. It, it takes away an entire voice from an entire group of people. So it's like, if I, if I don't make it out ahead, if I don't win this election, I mean, think of it as a whole other generation has just been stripped of another, of their voice. Did you make the, uh, I don't know the timeline here. Did you make the decision to run before or after all the, the Fortenberry stuff started happening with before? Or so yeah. that's where I was going with this. So people reach out to me for help and things like that with different things. And this family had reached out, um, and said, cause we were handing hot meals at this time too. So we've done that a few different times um, where my mom will make like a lot of food and we like go out and set up a thing. And we've done it at uh, 21st and O. we've done it at the F street rec center. We've done it in Omaha. I think at, um, at a center there, we've done it at the homeless uh, at the uh, shelter here in Lincoln. Mm -hmm. um, and so people, people see that. And so this family had reached out. They were living this very, they were living in this trailer in, in very poor conditions. Um, they didn't have food, like their pipes were frozen. They didn't have run, running water. And she was saying that, you know, we can't flush our toilet because the water's not running and I don't have like a bucket to like flush it. So she was like, can you please help me? But I don't post about it because I like post their information about it. And I never talked about it because um, she was saying, you know, it took a lot to reach out to you. So, I mean, that was, that's a family here in Lincoln and, I remember going to little, I was at my office. I took the space heater I had because they said their heater wasn't working. I took the space heater I had. I went to Little Caesars, got some pizza, went to Walmart, got some bottled water um, and some blankets and the bucket that they asked for. And I took it and it was like their place wasn't plowed. So I had to hand, hand it through their window. And so I was like, kind of just, I was driving home, just really thinking about that family. And that was around the same time they were voting to increase the um, cash uh, act they were voting on the cash act, which was to increase the stimulus payments from 600 to 2000. That's right. Yep. And Fortenberry didn't vote, but he said he wouldn't have because Nebraskans don't need it. And that is exactly what I mean by people who don't live in the same reality as us. Like they're like, this is a matter of life and death for some people in your district. And when you say people don't need it, we all don't live in million dollar homes and wherever he lives, but you know, we don't, we don't when you only surround yourself with people who live in the same reality as you in this situation, wealthy people, um, you, you don't know what goes on on the other side. You're not aware of the struggles that everyday people go through. Like these people don't get disconnect notices. You know what I mean? Like they don't have to worry about making rent at the end of the month. Um, 
or paying their student loan bills. They don't, they don't have to experience those things. And so how can you possibly accurately represent us and advocate for things that your community needs in the way that the house of representatives was intended to be for mm-hmm. when our, when our uh, founding fathers and framers of the constitution created it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Were you watching the, uh, did you watch that trial and the result closely? Were you interested? Were you not interested? I'm just curious. No, being in I, that I, I honestly, I wasn't very interested because I mean, at this point, this is just this another politician getting caught up with the money. Like that's what it that's what it was to me. And I I've never met him a day in my life. I've never seen this guy in real life ever. Never talked to him or anything like that. We had a candidate for him once uh, during the 2020 election. They never responded. Um, <laughs> but. uh yeah, regardless if the redistricting happened, because, okay, so that's when I decided that I was going to do this in January, February of that's 2021. Right. I forgot the new maps. That's right. Yeah. So that was before redistricting even happened, before like all this stuff with Fort Mary even happened. So regardless if we redistricted or if these charges were brought against him, I was still going to do this. I was still going to give it like my best shot because I put my heart and soul in everything mm-hmm. I do. And it was from seeing the pain that our community goes through. And I'm just like, I know what that feels like. You know, I grew up in government on government assistance because like we talked at the beginning of this, like my mom came here from, from nothing, you know, with nothing. And so I rem- I, I know what it feels like to have to wait for food stamps to come at the, at the beginning of the month. Or I know what it's like to have to, you know, have to go to Goodwill and get new school clothes. Like I know what that feels like. And the most traumatizing thing for me, my number one goal in life is to be a homeowner which I think would be the, like the weirdest thing for people to think. But like, I mean, I, I really want to be a homeowner. Like I have a pin, I have multiple Pinterest boards of like what I want my home to be like. I want like a home library, a porch swing, you know, fireplace, like things like that, you know, so I can just sit on my porch and swing and be like, wow, my lawn looks good. <laughs> you know, like that's... Dude, I, I'm telling you being a, uh, I had a crappy lawn in my first home and now I admire that lawn when I pull in. Yeah. There's a time in your life, Jazari, well, that yeah. will be one of your joys in life is a nice and, lawn. And I hope you get that. And, and it, I mean, and it's, and honestly, it stems from trauma. And I mean, since we grew up like on Section 8 housing, I remember because my mom didn't like read or write English. So, Sometimes she would have me like read the mail and every time we got like a letter from like Lincoln Housing Authority, like my heart would beat like super hard because I'm just like, are they going to like kick us out or things like that? And I just remember every time we got like inspections, oh my goodness, like being up until like one, two in the morning on a school night because they give you like a 24 hour notice yeah. and our house was never like messy, but we were afraid that they would come in and be like, wow, this is like too dirty. Like you guys need to leave. And so we would be up until like one, two in the morning, bleaching the walls, doing laundry, cleaning everything like mowing the lawn, like making sure our home was in pristine condition. And I would go to school that next morning, just feeling anxious, like worried that like my mom's going to come home and be like, Oh, they told us that we have to leave. Yeah. Like, wow. And so that's the, that's why, like I want to own my own home one day because we've never been able to. One more thing about the congressional race. Like, so we were, we were talking off air before this thing, like been throwing a loop. Now there's a special election and and uh this is going to air in early mid april so it'll probably still you know up in the air but it's going to be at the end of june so the parties put forward a candidate like we're not going to vote we're not going to vote on a primary to see who's on that so what does that mean for you 
And like, is that a, is that system okay? Is that a fair system? Like, what do you think about this whole situation that you've inherited now? Well, the primary election is still happening. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. But like, the, the thing is, yeah, it, it, the, the, the thing is, I assume if my understanding of the timeline is right, the party has to say who is going to be on the ballot for the special election before the primary happens. Yeah. So like they're, in a way, they're kind of picking, I'm not saying they have to go the same way, but they're kind of crowning the winner before the primary happens, just because yeah. of the timeline. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so to be on that ballot, regardless of who the party nominates, you have to gather 2,000 signatures. And you have until April 22nd, which is the same day that the party has until to name their nominee. So you got to get so, signatures now. Yeah. Get out to the yeah. farmer's market. <laughs> <laughs> I have three weeks to get signatures. Oh, my gosh. So 2,000 signatures. And then, like, what do you, I mean, you have any set? You have, I mean, like, because, like, let's be totally honest. I think, you know, when we're talking about in the newsroom and those sorts of things, the thought is, Patty is is the is the front runner is the more well known candidate all, has held office in the past and like I think there's probably a lot of assumption okay well that'll be who they they nominate for the primary you can't think that or no, for the special election like you can't yeah, that's think it that for episode way, one but, of the Jack Mitchell you know, podcast you, join us next Thursday when we're joined it? by University of Nebraska I, student journalist and congressional candidate Jazari Qual like, until honest, next time like, there's been a lot of like one. discouraging moments like throughout this um, run. There's been a lot of amazing moments, but like a lot of discouraging ones. And I mean, I will say I'm just confused when I started this because to kind of go back on it, like my, my step, my, not my, step, my father, my biological father actually fell ill in February. Yeah, and so that, that was around the time where I was going to like announce, but like we went through all of that. He ended up passing in May. We buried him in South Sudan in July. You went back um, to South Sudan, right? like yes. all the way back to the village that, and oh my we buried him outside the hut he was born in oh my gosh like that took a lot out of like immensely emotionally physically like all of that can't imagine yeah and so i like you know finally was able to recover and then all this news of jeff being indicted broke and all this type of stuff and then the other democrat um candidate announced that she was running um but yeah and it all kind of like happened at the same time. And so it wasn't like really planned, but, um, yeah, no, well, I, I had a, I had a date in mind where I planned we were going to do our announcement and everything kind of just like happened around the same time mm -hmm. <laughs> on all sides. Yeah. Sounds like it. Yeah. And so I think it's hard because it's kind of just like, and why I say I'm confused is like, especially to circle back, you know, in 2020. Um, all the things that happened, people would say, like, we need young people, especially young people to right. run for office right. and things like that. And now that I'm doing it. We need diverse. Those... You're exactly right. Like, I, I, I totally see where you're going with this. Like, we need young people. We need diverse yeah. candidates. We need people who are, you know, talking about those things. And we're out there in, in 2020. Yeah. And like, like, that's you. That's that you're saying to the party. Like, this is me, right? This is what you were asking for. Yeah. And everybody else, right? Because there was a whole thing like, yeah, we need change. We need change. But then we kind of like sink into what has always been going on, what's always yeah. been happening. And so that's where I'm just like, yeah, uh, 
Like, you, like, I don't even know how like this works. Like, can you campaign to the party? Like, how do you exert any influence on who they pick other than getting these signatures? Do you I know? Think they said they're going to leave it up to their executive board. Oh boy, to see what they decide. But I mean, the thing is, is that, and, and that's another thing too um, that I want to talk about. It's like people are just like, you should. We could use you on school board or things like that. I'm not going to do that because the things that I'm passionate about can only be fixed at the federal level. Like I can't do anything about legal immigration reform on a school board. Plus that's an unpaid job. And as you know, in like the journalism world, like honestly, in in the journalism world, you can't hold office and also practice journalism. So what am I going to do? Yeah. Until then, because a lot of people don't know, but I had to give up like almost 90% of my income to run for office. Really? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And um, and, and it's because cr- I wanted to talk. We're gonna have to do another one of these because I wanted to talk so much about like your media stuff, your plans going forward with that down the road and and all that. We didn't yeah. get into any of it, but you've been like we didn't get into any of it, like nerd out on some of the journalism stuff, which I would I love to as well. So I know we need to do a part two. Do I, I, <laughs> I'm I'm all for it. Let's wait and see what happens. Uh, with the primary, with everything else, I, I wanted to talk about those things. I wanted to talk about, um, you know, a lot. I want to talk about you going back to South Sudan. I would like to talk about what you know about that. Like, I, I'm, I'm fascinated with that. Like, what, uh, the, you know, that, the, it, it, it's interesting. I don't know if you ever think of this, but like, I'm dialed into what's happening in Ukraine right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for obvious reasons, but, Man, the the amount of stuff in other parts of the country where I'm not as dialed into it, and you know, frankly, it's not white people. You know, I mean, there's you read up on 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 Sudan, um, in other parts of of Africa and other parts of the country, they've had just like violent civil wars going on for for so yeah. long, years and years. I read about South Sudan, Jazari, and and like that was I think it was 2011 that they officially had independence from the rest of Su- Sudan and you had mm-hmm. part of it was kind of the Arabic part in the north and, and broke off. But this is like decades and decades of civil wars and thousands of people dead from this. Yeah. And it's like just interesting to see that happening or reading about that on top of what's happening with Ukraine, which is like totally front and center for me. Uh, you know, I guess yeah. it's just, it's realizing, you know, the way we intake things is media, take things in as media and, take things in as as citizens and and racially and all that but but i'm gonna i'm gonna wrap it because uh we went a long time and i think we could go a long time more but how long has it been how long has it been <laughs> uh, well we're gonna uh it'll be an we're over an hour i t- I, t- <laughs> I told you an hour we're wi- I, like we're quite a bit over an hour so maybe the edited format that people hear of this will be close to an hour i hope so um but uh man it was it was cool to talk. I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, putting everything that you did out there, and uh, I'll do it again sometime if we can do that. That'd be yeah, good. That'd be, that'd that be would good. be dope. That'd be cool. If we could do it before or after the primary, I, I'm kind of, I don't know how this is gonna go. I really don't. Like, I, I really don't. Because I mean, on one hand, it's like me and my opponent, like we both have name recognition right but where it's different i feel like is i'm actively engaged within the community 
like people see me. Like I was at a coffee shop yesterday, my friend's coffee shop. And this uh, lady walks in the door. She's probably around the same age as me. And she was like, are you that guy running for office? And I was like, yeah. She's like, oh my gosh, dude, I cannot wait to vote for you. <laughs> like, And we ended up sitting there talking for like 30 minutes just about the change that we want to see, you know? And so I, I feel like I'm, I'm not nervous. Like people be like, why would you put yourself out there? Um, that's so crazy. You know, running for office is a lot. It is a lot. Like I've had to save money as much as we could and fundraise as best as we can. And I mean, that's another thing that kind of bothers me. People are just like, well, how much money are you going to raise? How much money are you going to raise? How much money are you going to raise? It's like, it's not about, obviously you need to raise money, but it's more so about like the people and connecting with people and understanding the issues that people face. Because I mean, then what is the point? Like, what, why does it need to take a million dollars to win a race? Yeah. But I mean, but like, Jazar, and be honest, that was going to be my next question, though. But like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it is how it is. But my perception, yeah. at least, and I haven't delved into either any of your campaign filings or or Patty's, but like, I'm like, that's got to be an uphill battle for you, I assume. It is, but I mean, I will say, I feel like probably reached almost the same amount of people. Um, but we've been able to do everything and use social media in a way on our own to be able to get it out there. That com- I mean, that commer- that, that, that video you showed me that I watched mm-hmm. during our break, will that ever go on TV? Um, I don't think so. Just be- it's two minutes long. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know that, but yeah, it's two minutes long. And also, I mean, a lot of people aren't watching like cable news. It will reach an audience, but it's, it's, I mean, if this was like 2008, nine, probably sure. Because that was before streaming. Everybody's on stream. Now everybody's yeah. watching Netflix, YouTube, things like that. They won't see it. Yeah. So it's like, would you pay $5,000 to you're run fast forwarding? TV? Yeah. Unless you're watching sports or you're watching the 10 o'clock news or I cable like news, you're fast forwarding. Who already have their mind up on who they're going to vote for anyways. You yeah. know? Yeah, that's true. And that's so true. now you got to get the people who see it out to vote though. Right huh? like, now, you got to get the people who see this, who you are, to, out to vote. Right? I mean, yeah. that's a huge part of it for you, I'm sure. Now too. That, yeah, that's that's another thing too. It's like that's on every side. Like somebody could be like really excited, but for any candidate, but not end up going out and voting. So it's yeah. like, yeah. yeah. Did you know there's 430 some 35 members of Congress, and there's only one person under the age of 30. I wondered, would you be, would you be the youngest or is there somebody younger than you that would be there? Um, well, there's one guy who's, he's a, he's a Republican congressman or house member from South Carolina. I believe. North Carolina? Is it Cawthorn? North Carolina. Is it that yeah, guy? North Carolina. Cawthorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been in the news a whole bunch lately. Yeah. He, uh, he's, I think he was born in August. I was born in July of the same year. So. Oh, so he's the old man. All right. Got it. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> when we talk about like diversity within like the government and stuff like that, it's not just like, you know, race and ethnicity. It's also age. Uh, yeah. Like that's, yeah. Like, um, especially among Democrats, that's, that could be the, maybe the, the, the biggest uphill battle for you. You know, just yeah. the perception of experience and that sort of thing. Well, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's intriguing to hear about like, what are you going to, if, if it doesn't work out, if it if it doesn't like is this are you out of doing something like this for a while 
Like, you, you, do you know yet? Um, I don't know. I mean, running for office is hard, just like the financial aspect of it. Like I said, like I had to give up a lot to do this. And so the people that you see running for office do because they can, right? Like they can afford it. And so, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I would run for office again yeah, because I don't see it as a career. I see it as a form of service. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to end it just so we can put this out there and we can do it again sometime. Yeah. <laughs> I'm let afraid us know no, if you want to hear more. I'm afraid nobody. Yeah. You write in if you want, uh, Jazari and Jack part two, which I think we should do no matter what, but whether or not we put it on a podcast, we can decide. Uh, but, yeah. but, uh, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I uh, appreciate you, you sharing your, your story and your life and some tough, um, of course, some tough times with me. And it's been great to get to know you. I think, uh, there's a reason that, uh, that we ran into each other the way that we did a couple of years ago. And, you know, it, it, and just, hey, I'm, I'm supposed to end this, but now I'm, I'm thinking again, like it, it's crazy because we're, you know, in, in different ways, but we do kind of the same, kind of the same thing. And, like I don't know that we would have even been aware of each other. I don't know. I don't know if I would have been aware of you, um, otherwise, which seems weird and seems wrong in the same community. Um, yeah, because Lincoln's not that big. No, <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. Well, cool, man. I appreciate it. Uh, talk to you again soon. All right. All right.